The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Having the number two pick is it's it's exciting for us to have the number two pick, but it's also at the same time there's no pressure where the young man is picked. I think it's unfair to ask a guy just because you're picked number two overall, you have to come in and you're the face of our franchise and you're the leader. That's unfair to the guy, right? and I'm not going to put that type of weight on the shoulders of whoever that is that we pick. That's not what we're anticipating. That's not what we're expecting them to do. We're expecting them to come in, be a great teammate, work hard, right? be deliberate in what you're doing, and have a mindset to get better each and every day. We have leaders in our locker room already, so I'm not asking the guy to come in and and be this, this savior for our team. I'm asking the guy to come in and just put his head down and just work. Sounds a lot like what we were talking about with Jeff right? Okuda. Right. You get a lot of pressure on you as that top five pick. Yep. And D'Amico Ryan's first-year coach of the Houston Texans, already trying to reduce the pressure in advance for whoever has the honor and privilege of being the second overall pick in the draft and being invited to join one of the most dysfunctional football operations in football, but which is at least trying to turn it around with the hire of D'Amico Ryan's. And I think he's saying exactly the right things. And it almost sounds like they're – and Peter King, I think, raised this point in Football Morning in America. Is it possible if Bryce Young is the first overall pick by the Carolina Panthers that the Texans just don't take a quarterback? God, that happen? I, that be? I would be at least not with the second overall pick. Take one later, man. I don't know. They do have pick number twelve, so they have that option to you know think about that. Certainly, um, I'd be shocked if that happened. I mean, you know my thoughts there, and I know I'm not. You know, uh, standard protocol with seeing C.J. Stroud as the the top quarterback over Bryce Young, but man, you know, you, you know, you wait till you don't make it happen right then, then you're you're risking a lot of stuff that could happen to where you go. Okay, well, you're starting Davis Mills again at quarterback. Oh, you know, our quarterback's not playing good enough. Well, I don't really care. You put you passed up your chance at two to take whatever quarterback was available. 
So I, I would be shocked by that, Mike. I w- and C.J. Stroud, in a lot of ways, you know, again, I just think about him and, you know, what he could do in that offense. I think he'd be a great fit. You know, I do. I think that's going to be a little bit the 49ers, the Shanahan fit there, right? And I think C.J. Stroud, he's got a quick release. You know, he's going to be a very good play-action passer. He's got a strong arm that way. So I would expect if Bryce Young's one, it's C.J. Stroud too. And honestly, Mike, I wondered all along. I wondered the opposite with them a little bit. If C.J. Stroud went one, you know, again, my days in New England and Nick Casario being there, small quarterback like that was a no-no, like negative ghost rider. So I had those questions a little bit. But uh, I'm guessing Nick Casario's over that, and, and a lot of co- people are in the NFL. But I'd be surprised if they didn't go quarterback at two, Mike. Davis Mills, Case Keenum, and E.J. Perry yeah. are the quarterbacks currently on the roster. Of the three, I'd put Keenum out there. I'm still a believer in Keenum after what I saw him do for the Vikings in 2017. I know it's been six years ago, but he I feel like he really hasn't gotten a fair shake since then, and I would play him, all due respect to Davis Mills, ahead of Mills. But when you consider you've got the 12 pick, you've got 12 total selections, there's a lot you can do to move up and down and all around. They could just dangle that second overall yeah, they pick could. to one of the other teams in the top 10 looking to get a quarterback. So you slide back. You take a guy maybe lower on everyone else's board, but secretly higher on your board. Sure. This is where it becomes impossible to really discern broader draft strategy because every team has its own viewpoint, its own decision makers. It's 32 snowflakes that all come together into one clump, and we see how it all plays out. But it very well could be. And I just my I, I just got the impression as we were listening to D'Amico Ryans that that – they're trying to lay the foundation for a non-quarterback to come in because how do you come in as a pass rusher at number two, as a corner? Not that they would go corner at number two, but the point we were making earlier about Mario Williams and Jeff Okuda, how hard it is to stand out as a great player when you aren't somebody who's generating statistics that people can look at and say, hey, that's a great player, week in and week out, great player, great impact. Let's buy his jersey. Let's make him the the focal point of our praise and our attention and our admiration. I just I just got a vibe as he was explaining that, that there's a real possibility they don't go quarterback at number two. Yeah, I, I you know, I, I hear what you're saying with the vibe there and what he was saying. I kind of took it more like he was like, hey, wait, you know, we come I came from San Francisco and we're into our team. It was never just quarterback. We're gonna play awesome defense and we're gonna run the ball and you know, I, I think that's the believer of you know, his way in the NFL, or at least what I think D'Amico Ryans wants to do. That's more of what I took it, but I, I certainly understand what you're saying there. And again, like you said, with all those picks and the 12 pick, there's certainly some some wiggle room for some some other ways to do this rather than just the, yeah, take the quarterback at two. We'll see. You're right. I, I don't know, but I still, I think, ultimately would expect them to go whoever is left over from, you know, the Carolina trade, the, them to take that guy. What do you think the number one lesson is that D'Amico Ryan's learned from his time with the 49ers about how to properly handle or not properly handle the quarterback position? Oh, that's that's a good question there. I, I mean, you know, one, I guess maybe just not make it all about that or not let that be, you know, such a conversation polarizing issue around the football team at times, right? I think that would probably be the thing. I just, man, it was just 
drama or always questions about Jimmy G and, you know, his level of play and, yeah, do the 49ers see it that way? And we heard the 49ers in conversations of, you know, trades and he's got to play better and, you know, we draft a quarterback and it became the, the, the thing that overtook their organization. And we're still kind of talking about it because of that issue. So I would think that's part of what the, the answer is there too, is just to not let that situation or that type of, you know, thing kind of control and make the team polarizing in that way. Well, and look at it this way. The experience of the last two years, the two years that Ryan's was a defensive coordinator, his first year, they trade up to number three and they take Trey Lance full investment, three first round picks and a third round pick. And so far, not much of anything last year with the final selection in the entire process, they get Brock Purdy. I think there's a lesson to be learned there about restraint, about expectations, yeah, sure. and about maybe the value of waiting to get a quarterback versus going all in early just because you feel like you have to. All that right, which doesn't belong ball. and why. Yeah. yeah. That would but but you know what? Good. Good. Yeah, I sure. want some curveballs. Right. I, I think this draft is going to be full of curveballs. I think we go into it with an acknowledgement, and Peter King made this point earlier this week in Football Morning in America as well. The mock drafts are all over the place, and none of them are right, and nobody knows this year what's going to happen, and that makes it more fun when it's time to go make the picks. All right, which doesn't belong and why? The top 10 pick teams with a veteran starting quarterback, which doesn't belong and why? Seahawks at five, Lions at six, Raiders at seven. Well, you know, I, I, the one that, that I look at is number five with the Seahawks. You know, Goff and Garoppolo, we kind of know what they are, right? And to me, they're the kind of guys where eh, I don't know if it's really good enough. It's got to be, you know, the right system and play there. Like the Seahawks have something here where you can go, wait, wait, we, we might have something here. We might have a guy here that's got like high-end, top-end type talent, right? And, you know, they're, they're a team that we know has some other issues as far as got to fill some other holes on their defense and things like that. Uh, the Seahawks are the team that kind of jumps out to me as far as it pertaining to the veteran quarterback thing there and the untapped potential and what to expect a little bit from Geno Smith as we go forward. Even though the Geno Smith contract is not nearly as good as it was originally advertised, right. when you look at it, they can escape after one year and the table is set for them to have a young quarterback who becomes the guy as soon as 2024 We've already talked about this. They're still recovering from those years where the team was all about the quarterback. Right, quarterback, right. quarterback, quarterback. Too much focus on the quarterback. If you use that fifth overall pick on a quarterback, you're taking going focus right back away to from Geno Smith, and you're going right back to a guy being the centerpiece of the discussion when you could have somebody who's going to help that defense get back to where it has been and had been in the past when they were a Super Bowl championship team a decade ago. I think that the Seahawks don't fit with this idea that they're looking to take a quarterback. And I have believed from the moment Pete Carroll, the head coach of the team, started selling the idea that they're looking at quarterback. Number one, Geno Smith is sufficiently confident in his position that it's not going to rattle him to have that talk out there. And number right. two, I think it's all about maybe positioning and posturing to trade down out of the number five spot to somebody who does want a quarterback. I feel like that's what the Seahawks are going to be looking to do. While the other two could absorb a quarterback with that top 10 pick, and it's not going to create the same kind of issues that maybe it would in Seattle. All right, 
Teams outside the top 10 who could draft a quarterback, which doesn't belong and why. The Titans at 11, the Commanders at 16, the Bucks at 19. Gosh. I mean, the only one that I'll say, I mean, this, it's an interesting group here. And it's just like, I mean, we've just shown six teams here, even with the last question where you just go, yeah, quarterback and curveballs could be coming your way. The Titans are the one that I'll look at to just say they don't belong and why. I mean, they do have a guy that, is a quality NFL starting quarterback. Superstar? Okay, no. But, like, damn good quarterback? And do I think he can get you to a Super Bowl in Ryan Tannehill? I do. Yes, I do. So that's where I would say they don't belong as, as far as the commanders and the Buccaneers are concerned. You know, yeah, there's more question marks at the position. Commanders are totally unproven commodity. Baker Mayfield, we know he's in the, I got to earn my way back to become the starter, and I took low money to be able to compete with Kyle Trask. The Titans situation is not quite as, you know, dicey that way, other than that, what, Tannehill's on his last year of his contract, right, Mike? Yes. Yeah. I'll say the Titans just because we've already seen the chatter that maybe they move up into the top 10, up into the top five, yeah. and possibly get an Anthony Richardson at number three. I feel like they're the one of the three that is most likely to make the big move, the bold move that would make it clear to everyone that it is Ryan Tannehill's last year in Tennessee. We're turning the page at the quarterback position in 24, and Malik Willis was a guy that John Robinson drafted that they gave him a shot last year when Tannehill was injured and he ultimately was benched for Josh Dobbs. He's not the future, but they're going to go in a different direction. I feel like they are the most likely of the three to make the push to the top of the stack to try to get a guy that becomes the face of the franchise moving forward. All right. Teams with two picks in the top 20, which doesn't belong and why? The Texans, who have number two and number 12. The Seahawks, who have number five and number 20. And the Detroit Lions, who hold number six, thanks to the Rams, and number 18. Gosh, this is tough here. I mean, you know, I, don't, you know, it, it's, it's, um, I, I guess if I'm going to pick one for the sake of the exercise here, I'm going to go with the Texans. And just the fact of, you know, the Seahawks and Lions, as we saw last year, they're pretty good football teams. They're close here. Right. I mean, there, there's, yeah, we some icing on the cake and some people here and there and whatever else. But Seahawks were in the playoffs and making the 49ers sweat it out in the middle of the third quarter. And the Lions just missed the playoffs. And if they got in, they might have made some people sweat it out, too. So the Texans are the team where you just go, no, no, they got to they got to hit it here. They got to they need difference makers. And of course, the quarterback conversation comes into there because there's a little bit more of a desperation of them to get one compared to the other two teams there. Uh, but And they're also, you know, they got two in the top 15. So they have a chance to get two big-time marquee players. I, I guess they'll be the ones that I'll pick here for this, Mike. I agree with you on that. I mean, I would say the Seahawks, just from the perspective that of these three teams, they're the ones that seem the most likely to me to just – Trade down, right. trade down, right. trade down, stockpile picks, stockpile picks, try to get guys in the mid to late rounds that could become the future superstars, the nucleus of the team, the low-cost guys, the Cam Chancellors, the Richard Shermans, the guys who, if John Schneider is doing his job the right way and he's given us every reason to believe that he will and he can, you load that team up and you make that team better. In an NFC where... Where are the great teams? You got the Eagles, you got the 49ers. Where are the rest of the great That's teams? Right. There's an opportunity for the Seahawks to kind of resurrect themselves. And I think they, they understand that the way to do it is with more lottery tickets, no matter how high they may be, get more of them. All right, division winners who could draft a receiver, which doesn't belong and why. The Vikings 
who have the 23rd overall pick, the Bills at number 27, and the Chiefs at number 31. Would be 32 if the Dolphins had their first-round pick this year. They don't. So the Super Bowl champion has number 31, which doesn't belong and why. I'm going to say the Chiefs, all right? I mean, I could also I could see them all doing receiver. I mean, you could certainly make a case that they could all use one for sure. The Chiefs are the one that I look at to go, they're probably the least desperate. Or I just go, they don't need it maybe as much as the other two teams there as far as the wide receiver position. I mean, as we saw, um, let me think. First reason is they don't need a great receiver is, oh, that's right, they got maybe the greatest quarterback of all time, and they got Andy Reid, and they got a lot of damn good there. you know. And the fact that we know that Kelsey is... An unbelievable receiving threat. Sky Moore's only going to be better. They got Kadarius Tony, who they have high, high hopes for. Marquez Valdez Scantling's there. They just had a great value signing in Richie James, who they stole from the Giants, who's going to contribute to their team. So they're the team I look at out of these ones where I just go, Bill's got to get a receiver. I'm not saying it's got to happen at 27, but they need, you talked about it yesterday, they need somebody else. And the Vikings, you need somebody too. I'm not saying it has to happen at 23, but no Adam Thielen, Osborne's there. There needs to be another guy, a part of that group that can be a part of the you know two receiver or three receiver package. See, I think with the Vikings, it's T.J. Hawkinson, the tight end. I think that's, it's Justin Jefferson, true. T.J. Hawkinson, yeah. K.J. Osborne, right. and you get a mid-round guy sure. who you develop right. like the Rams did with Cooper Cup, who was a third-rounder several years back. I think the Bills stand out in this one yeah, because the team. they are right. giving off that vibe of team that that isn't going to stay at 27. There's already been some chatter about that. It right. won't surprise me. You consider where that team is right now, where that organization is, the pressure on them to get somebody to compliment Stephon Diggs and eventually replace Stephon Diggs. I think they're yeah. the most likely to swing for right. the fences at receiver, even if it means trading up. I agree. I, I, and maybe I didn't. I, maybe I read or the question wrong there. I was just saying the Chiefs are the one team that I look at that don't necessarily need it. As far as the first right. round and maybe what you yeah. stands out. It's who stands out of yeah, the three. Okay. But to you're me, right. Your bills, bills stand thing, out to you, the Chiefs do. Yeah. The Bills really stand out though from, you know, that perspective you're talking about of just the need of it. Yes, out of those teams there, they are the most desperate for the reasons we talked about. And yeah, twenty seven's a, a weird spot. And the receiver position's a weird spot. Like we discussed yesterday, I only think there's really legitimate three like first round guys and we heard reports that some teams only have one guy you know Jackson Smith and Jigba is got a hamstring issue and couldn't play last year that's scary to take a guy like that in the first round as talented as he is you know Zay Flowers is the one for me he's the guy but like he's not going to be there at 27 I don't think and I don't think Quentin Johnson from TCU will be there either so if the Bills want one of those type of guys I do think there's a good chance they're going to have to trade up all right, uh, let's go ahead and take a break. Yesterday, we looked at half of the AFC North as it relates to their ongoing needs in the offseason. We'll look at the other half of that division, the Steelers and the Bengals, when PFT Live continues right after this. Not bad for an old man. Oh, no, this is going to be used against me. I don't care. Not bad for an old man, baby. Let the record reflect that I was baited into that by Pete. So, fuck you, Pete. Somebody said, uh, oh, why, you know, something like, why are you so white? Why, why don't you get a tan or something? Say, it's March, mother...
says uh, it was see. April at the time of that comment. So, but um, yeah, yeah. The, the the camera is always on. The microphone is always on. What, what was you worse, you showing a muscle or me you. putting makeup on? I don't know what's worse there. I don't know. It is a good muscle for you. Well, though. we see you put a makeup on every day. Hey, hey, man. You know, I do my, I do my, my one hour on the bike every day at twenty-seven miles per hour. I had that disclosure recently on social media. It's just kind of a throwaway, and people were impressed by that. Like, I don't know. I don't think anything of it. I just do it. But I do fifty push-ups, and I've got twenty-five pound dumbbells. I do a set of curls. 12 each. I sound like Kenny Banya. I do that every day. That's my routine every day. I should probably do more than that, uh, but that's what I do. That's my routine. One hour a day plus the push. You can take that down, please. Take. Nah, I like it there. I like it. Curls for the girls, man. I like it. Soon to be 58, baby. Yeah. Soon to be 58. That's not bad right there. It's not bad. Now, I will say... Yeah, like one goal maybe for this like spring and nice weather right now. Like, can you just let this part of your neck see the sun a little? Just let it see a little. All right, just so it's not translucent. Which part? This part? Yeah, right, right there, right there. That, that part? part, right there. Yeah, yeah you got there. it, right there. Yeah, here. here. All right. You found it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> You've been so, cut off. Um, <laughs> I'm done. Uh, okay. AFC North team draft needs as we get closer and closer to day one and day two and day three, as the case may be. How about the Bengals? They can't leave this process without addressing what, Chris? They have 28 overall in the selection process round one. What do they need more than anything else? Well, they're a team that, you know, I mean, why they're at 28 and we know why. They're they're on the cusp of the Super Bowl. There's not like desperate needs anywhere. You know, you can talk about offensive line a little bit. I don't know if that's really going to happen, though. They still got Lyle Collins there on the roster, right? I'm not wrong about that. Jonah Williams looks like he's going to make the move. Orlando Brown, and then they got to figure out the interior part, which they made some moves there last year. They're kind of in a like, hey, what's the best player on the board? But I think the position they probably need when you look at their roster, tight end. Tight end is one spot where you can look at and go, damn, Joe Burrow with a good tight end, you know, added that to the receivers they got in company. I look at that. That's one spot that kind of sticks out to you of like, eh, they don't have a top notch player there. They got some guys that have some potential where you go, oh, he can maybe be something, but not a for sure thing. And I think at 28, like the kid from Utah will be off the board, but, you know, whether it's Notre Dame, Michael Mayer, or, you know, really my second favorite guy is Laporta from Iowa. That's that region there, you know, somewhere between 25 and 45. You're going to see some of that second group of tight ends go off the board, Mike. That's the one I go with. I just can't wait to watch the Notre Dame kid who can't get open. Just catches every pass thrown his way play in the NFL. Right, that's he's old school. Fun. Yeah. That's just one of those guys that is going to be fun to watch in the NFL. Now, you say tight end. Irv Smith, I know. they take issue with I know. you because he had some big quotes. He had some big boasts when he, when he was signed. He's the difference maker that's going to take them to a Super Bowl championship, and I love the confidence. And we pointed out yesterday, he was drafted a few years back before A.J. Brown and before D.K. Metcalf. Yeah. And injuries have really derailed his career. He stays healthy. He could be he the could guy be. that finally replaces C.J. Uzama, although they had Hayden Hurst, who did well last year, too. It's a key piece of the offense. Yes. So I agree with you. Tight end is important. Right. Running back is important. No doubt. For them. Right. They need to come out of this draft with a running back because 
I, I think one of the reasons they're hanging on to Joe Mixon, and I think this is true with Dalvin Cook in Minnesota as well, it's kind of quiet. It's kind of awkward. Yeah, what's your it's thought? Kinda, what are these teams going to do? Right. I think depending upon where the pieces fall, you you could come out of this with a new starting running back or at least a guy who's on track to be the starter as soon as 2024. You know, you, we talk about Bijan Robinson, a top three player, regardless of position in the draft, in the opinion of many. Yeah. Well, who's gonna who's gonna be the one to put his name on a card in I round know. one? And is he gonna linger long enough? Be that, that one team of these that does teams it. right, right? That has an older running back, right. yeah. That and if he falls that far, if he's there at twenty eight, hell, if he's there past twenty, that's when they got to think about trading up. Could you imagine Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, and Bijan Robinson? I, Are you freaking kidding? That's that's what's scary about the Bijan Robinson thing. I feel like it's gonna be one of those teams that's gonna get him. You know, what do we keep saying? Oh, Eagles, Bengals. It's these teams that, like, their team is already good. The teams that uh, other holes are going, wait, I don't want to, like, go running back. We can find other running backs. But the cream of the crop can go, wait, our team's good. We just need, you know, a little more sizzle here at this position. And, yes, that's what's scary about the Bijan Robinson, you know, even the Jameer Gibbs Alabama guy. He could be another guy that 28 – Bijan, like you're talking about, I think we'll be off the board there. But Gibbs from Alabama, he's got three rockets up his ass. Sorry, London. And he could be the same type of danger you're talking about there in that offense. And, and in some ways, maybe even be you know, better because he's, he's maybe a little bit better in the pass game uh, than, than Bijan Robinson, who's also very good in that department. You know, I first heard that phrase rocket up his ass 10 years ago with Tavon Austin. You have expanded it to two or three. What is the maximum? Three's really where I've gone. Tyree Kill and Deion Sanders got three, right? Like the ultimate speed guy's got three. That's kind of where I maximum capacity of rocketage right there is where I go. (laughs) All right. Just, just I. So, if you ever say four, then we know we got something ultra special. Definitely, four, four just isn't even possible. No, exactly. Four is right. like more than an A plus. Right. right, four is like got you're it. running four Steelers. flat at the combine. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Steelers cannot leave the 2023 draft without addressing what they also have the 17th overall pick and two second rounders, 32 and 49. So they're sitting there right at the top of round two. But basically the bottom of round one, thanks to the Chase Claypool trade. They've got the first pick in round two, 32nd pick in the draft. So basically two first rounders. Where do they need to go? I, I mean, I think the obvious thing is offensive line, right, Mike? I mean, I you know, it, it's again, there's some definite spots on their football team that are very damn good. We know that. You know, I, I, I do think about them and, you know, linebackers. Right, that's always on their radar. Uh, I haven't studied or gotten done with all the linebackers yet, but like line is certainly one where I go. This is like two, three years in a row where we've kind of gone. Eh, that's one of the weaknesses of the Steelers football team, and I think there can be one of the marquee tackles on the board there at 17 for this draft. Right, so that'd be the one you know that I would look at. That I just go, yeah, they they need to bolster that department of their football team. So I'll go O line there, probably tackle specifically. Yeah, look, corner is a, an issue. Yeah. Cam Sutton left for the Lions via free agency. Patrick Peterson is not a long-term replacement. This would be a good opportunity to work someone in, get him ready to go, and then by year two, maybe he can step into the starting lineup. But, you know, for as good as the Steelers consistently are, 
they consistently have these glaring holes that they never seem to fill. Like they never, since Rod Woodson, they haven't had a high-end corner. Uh, since Troy Polamalu, where's the high-end safety? Like, and, and offensive line, horrible the year they won the Super Bowl 2005. Yeah, got right. a little bit better. Once Mike Munchek left as the O-line coach, it feels like they haven't. They just, it's just been, yeah, it's been a, a liability. And now with Kenny Pickett, a couple of concussions last year. We spoke to GM Omar Khan about that at the scouting combine. Got to keep the guy from getting hit. If you yeah. want to keep him from getting concussions, you got to keep him from getting hit, period. Yeah, That's definitely. I, I mean, all analysis. Right. So, yeah, offensive line, I agree with you. I think corner and offensive line are the two that stand out to me. And they may be in a position where they do get middle of the round, one of the better ones, because it's not like there's a cluster of great ones this year. Yes, right. It, it doesn't, you know, I don't, it's not like we've seen in some years where we go, oh, there's going to be three or four tackles in the top 10, right? I think you're going to see probably start to go towards the end of the top 10 there, and then you'll see it filter from there. But O-line, I mean, you said it, corner, certainly one that's in that conversation. Um, you know, the other thing they got to think about a little, in my opinion, would probably be interior defense alignment, Mike, right? I mean, Cam Hayward, we're coming down the home stretch here. You know, they don't, there's, there's a depletion of resources there as compared to what we expect from the Steelers. But you know, I think uh, that would be another one that I would say could be on that radar at 17, depending who's there, or maybe 32 or whatever. But, yeah, it's a big draft for them. They definitely have some holes on their football team that are, you know, like you said, quite glaring. You look at it and you go, oh, ooh, ooh, I don't know what position to pick here. There's three or four, and uh, that, that's, that's kind of rare for, for the Steelers. And, you know, the, the receiver position, it, it's – it's hard to call it a need because it seems like every year they find one somewhere. Last year they drafted two. Uh, and George Pickens coming into his own. Calvin Austin the third, a guy they're going to rely on this year. Chase Claypool is gone. I figure at some point between round two and six, there'll yeah, be a guy one. that they really love right. who everyone else has missed on, who is there that they snatch. And, oh, look at this. He becomes a great player. That that secret formula that they have institutionalized in Pittsburgh where they just know how to find receivers that everyone else has missed on. They find them at lower rounds. They come in and they become great players. All right, let's take a break. Uh, David Bakhtiari had a theory for um, what could happen with Aaron Rodgers. It's a small likelihood, but it's fun to think about. We'll discuss that when PFT Live continues right after this. gotten uh, tired of being asked about Aaron Rodgers? Depends on who it is. No, I, 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 it hasn't hasn't really. Uh, hasn't, I mean, it's been like that like my career. So, like everyone, if, 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 like if the last four or five years, if, if it ain't one thing, it's it's another type thing with him. So, uh, kudos to him. He's definitely like uh, always being talked about, very mysterious. I think he kind of likes that, but. I mean, honestly, it's been kind of chill as of late. He's, he's a jet now, so it's the desk problem. So. David Bakhtiari, getting a little comfortable there on the Bustin' with the Boys podcast. But, you know, that's consistent with what I had heard throughout the offseason. The Packers players are just numb to it. Aaron Rodgers has been the focal point of so much conversation, so much speculation created by him. What's yeah. he going to do? What's he going to do? What's he going to do? You get to a point where you're just numb to it. Yeah. Like the first year you worry about it. The second year, maybe it's on your radar screen. By the third year, you're like, what the hell? I'm used to this by now. Yeah. Well, yeah. 
it's it's a constant question and everybody asks me about it and there's nothing to say there's nothing to do there's nothing to know he'll let us know at the appropriate time and i feel like bakhtiari has has become a victim of that fatigue along with everyone else well sure yeah i mean it's 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 i mean we all have right i mean i i love aaron Rodgers. you know he's one of my favorite quarterbacks to ever play and we've had some points over the last year where i just go oh we're gonna talk about this again i mean yeah how could you not be and and then the, you know not only just this but hey it's just it's everything too then stuff of it is not Rodgers' fault whether the Jordan Love draft pick and all that I mean that wasn't his fault so that led to it and then before that it was you know oh he can't win the big game and he's overrated or you know how good is he really and all of that so there's always that kind of controversy around Aaron Rodgers and that talk to where I'm I'm sure they are numb to it and that's one where that clip right there. You know, I read the quote yesterday. It reads worse than what it actually is. When you read it, you go, oh, it sounds like a guy that's like, oh, if it ain't one thing, it's another with him. Oh, my gosh. And that wasn't the case at all there. He kind of said it in a way like you're saying, like, man, if it's not one thing, it's another. It's just it's, there's always something about Rodgers. Like you said, it's just they're used to it, and they hear it all the time, and I'm sure they are numb to it now, and it's not their problem anymore. There was a conversation also about the leverage, the Packers, the Jets, who's got the upper hand. We're waiting for this deal to get done. I still think it gets done possibly during round two of the draft coming up. What will be 17 days from now, 16 days from now, that Friday night, the 28th of April. Bakhtiari volunteered a third option that if anybody in the media had articulated it, I'd say, who cares? But when this call is coming from inside the house... When Bakhtiari, who maybe has heard a thing or two or there's stuff that's being discussed around teammates, something maybe he's heard from Rodgers himself, that's what got my attention. A guy on the Packers throwing out this alternative third theory for what could happen between Rodgers, the Jets, and the Packers. Have a listen to what Bakhtiari said. Again, I'm not being a homer. They're just thinking about the situations. Just hear it out is... The Packers are rebuilding, whether you think so or not. They don't like, they, could they be good? I don't know. Could they be bad? Probably if you're betting, more people are going to think they're going to be bad than good. Mm-hmm. Right? Isn't mm-hmm. that fair to say? Fair. So then they'll be like, well, we're going to suck anyways. We want what we want, and we're not going to bend anyone, so we'll just eat it. You can stay sell and retire. We'll pay you. We don't care because we're going to, if we're going to do it our way, it's going to be on our terms. If not, we're, what are we, like, were we going to be Super Bowl contenders anyways? I don't think it'd get that contentious. I do think they'll probably come to an agreement. He'll get traded. They'll get what they want. And then I will probably say whether it was who won, who won what. But I'm saying there, I do think that it could be a third option if things got so You're bad. right. You're right. I've Jets changed my mind. No, we now. want this and that's it. Because we know we're going to get them. Like, okay, we'll go somewhere else. Well, because. What, what were you thinking? You, I, was thinking I think there's I was multiple thinking options. They just say no, and Aaron still plays for the Packers next year, which I think is not happening. Yeah, I can't. Regardless. I can't. Say, I, I think that. I think that has officially probably been put it's, to rest. Yeah, I think they, they gave the keys of Jordan. Said that. I was going to say. The last thing you want to do is like. Wait first. So yeah, okay. Can I say? Go first ahead. Off, they, go need ahead. To, they need to give him more leg room. Okay, the damn guy's all crouched up. And his knees are <laughs> guys, all right. I mean, damn. Come on, let's go. <laughs> yeah. Second thing is, I mean, second thing is, is it weird to you that Bakatiara keeps talking about the Packers like he's not on their football team? <laughs> like they, they, right? They, is that weird? They. My, I, I, was, I, was I like, mean, when when yeah. <laughs> when every fan of every team feels like it's perfectly permissible to say we, we right. 
to have a guy who's on the team and, say they and like the highest paid guy. Yeah, right. It's like weird. I don't even. I didn't. I didn't get that at first. I literally was sitting there watching that, going, "Wait, did something happen with Bakhtiari that I don't know about here?" Uh, but interesting perspective he has there, and I don't. I don't think that third theory is a real thing. I don't think. Here's why it is worth at least paying a little attention to beyond the fact that a guy on the team said it because either he thought of it on his own or he heard it from somebody else. Okay. Yeah. But the idea that there isn't an owner from whose pocket the 60 million will flow if they would squat on Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Right. You don't have that traditional structure of how much am I going to siphon off to pay for my super yacht? So they could just absorb it into the books they could just write it off. Now, it's cap space that they're going to have to deal with, but they're going to take a cap hit one way or the other. Still, it's $60 million in fresh dollars they're giving to Aaron Rodgers that has to be accounted for in future caps. That becomes an impediment. But if at the end of the day they're not getting what they want and they want to prove a point, that's a hell of a way to prove a point. And if it was anybody but somebody on the team in the organization, I would have ignored it. The fact that it was Bakhtiari made me – Curious. The fact that he refers to the Packers as they made me curious. The fact that he just seems to presume they're going to stink this year made me curious. And and later in that podcast, he he makes a comment about wanting to be traded in jest. And he laughs in just that sort of way that people laugh when they hear a joke or tell a joke that has some truth to it. Right. And it strikes that right chord. And it makes a truth pop out of your mouth via that laugh. And it makes me wonder how much Aaron Rodgers is already working on David Bakhtiari to get him to ask for a trade, to maybe posture for him to go to the Jets. Because when Rodgers back in January was rattling off the names of all yeah. the guys that he wants this to still be on the them. team, Mercedes Lewis, Randall Cobb, Alan Lazard, David Bakhtiari was one of them. Yeah. No, he's, this is his buddy. I mean, this is the guy he gets in chugging contests with at the Milwaukee Buck games, right? And drinking beer and... Rogers holds up his hand and like, hold on a minute. Let me finish this. So, I mean, they're, they're obviously friends and I hear you with what you're saying with Bakhtiari and he's a major player in that organization. You know, you would think, yeah, he's had a coach or somebody tell him something. One thing I will say that you, I think you can like get an inkling from there is he, by telling that he's, he's letting you know that how much the Packers don't like Aaron Rodgers. that that's on the table. We'll screw over our own organization just to spite Aaron Rodgers, right? That, that's the inkling I got. It's like, damn, he knows they don't like him that much that they might actually go, we don't want things that are going to make our team better, and we're going to waste value of an asset that has incredible value just to teach him a freaking lesson. So that you can take away from it and go, he realizes they don't like him that much, that that's in his brain percolating that they might do that. I don't think, again – you know, to your owner thing or whatever, it's, I don't think it'd be good business just to do that to spite them, right? You're wasting that. Do you want to be good in future years or not? Do you want two or three second round picks and some other things to make your team better or not? Or do you just want to say, I won the kerfuffle with Aaron Rodgers? And that's where I would go. That's like, you know, what are they biting your nose off to spite your face? Yes, very well done. Thank and you. again, this is one of the realities of not having an owner because corporate think like that agendas like that can filter into decision making and the next thing you know something that seems highly unconventional becomes the norm becomes the thing you do because there isn't an owner to say what the hell are you talking about we're not going to pay this guy 60 million 
for spite. We're going to give him $60 million for spite. Hey, if anybody out there wants to give me $60 million for spite, I'll take it. You can spite me all you want. You can spite <laughs> me twice if you want, if it's $60 million per spite. So, But still, it's Bakhtiari, and something's going on there with they, and something weird is happening with him and the team. I think that oozes from the broader conclusions of, number one, he needs more leg room. Number two, long pants would have been nice. And number three, they pulled the camera off me for just happening to scratch my neck and my chin and my nose with my middle finger. But if you're watching that clip that was up, there's that F-bomb, plain as day. Plain as day in the back. I don't want to get anybody in trouble. I think it's funny. It doesn't bother me. But don't take the camera off me when I happen to have an itch that I scratch with a middle finger. Uh, yeah, That's well, you know, you, sometimes you got to scratch that, that white part Uh-oh. of your neck, that Uh-oh. really, really white part of your Pete's neck. Pete's in trouble. <laughs> Pete, Pete said it's been nice working with us, although I don't think he believes that. And he is referring to the show as they now. So... Uh, another sign that Pete may have cooked <laughs> his own goose by not by not blurring out the F word. And now we need to take a break. All right. Uh, when we return, Sunday Ticket has a new home. YouTube has announced the new prices to have the out-of-market games every week of the season. We'll discuss that when PFT Live continues right after this. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. There's no place like the movie theater. The smell of fresh popcorn welcomes you to a full body experience while candies and sodas compete for your attention. Pick me! Hoping to join you in the best seats you've reserved on Fandango. It's where movie lovers buy tickets, pick seats, and double up on rewards points all online. All that's left is to walk in, snack up, and sit back. Visit Fandango.com or download the app today for your ticket to the movies. The Premier League is built on hope. The hope of discovering a new star. It doesn't take long, but Darwin Nunez to make an impression. The hope of rewriting history. And the hope of continuing a dynasty. Unstoppable week after week. This is the Premier League on NBC, USA and Peacock. There's Patrick Mahomes doing the things that we've become accustomed to. Now, I don't quite know how far that is. We may need some high-end analytics software to measure the distance here, but that's far. That's far. I don't know what the launch point was, but there it is landing. What's that number is behind him? Is that a 10? Line? Where is he? Is that the 10? So he's throwing from the he's 20 the to 20. maybe the 5? Yeah. I, so look, what is that? Yeah, that would be 75 man. yards in the air. 45 and 30, 75 yards. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, I'm not shocked by that. Okay. I mean, we're, we're talking about 
you know, one of the greatest arms. But yeah, that look, that's the 10 behind him. You can see the end zone on the very back. Good job, Pete. Right now he's standing about the 18-yard line, running to his left, and that's a great way to throw the ball really far because it makes you turn that shoulder into it, right? So he turns it, and he's got all his legs underneath it, and damn, he still makes it look easy to throw at 75 yards. It's the most elastic arm I've ever and look, seen. And look at it. Yeah. That's I that it, it almost is like an NFL films slow-mo right. thing. And people ask me from time <laughs> to time what I love most about watching football on TV. And it's this moment during a game when that ball's in the air and you have no idea what's going to happen when it comes down. Who's going to be there? Are they going to catch it? Is it going to be intercepted? Is it going to be a great catch? Is it going to be a touchdown? You know, you just don't know. There's so much potential in that ball coming back down toward Earth. I just love, I just love that more than anything else oh, about watching a football game. I that. would, and that's why when you're at the game, you yeah. can see, yeah, you know, if there's a guy wide ass open down the field. When you're watching on TV, you're just anticipating where is that ball coming down? What's going to happen? That that second second and a half of wonder is it that is. hooked me as a kid and it still does today i get you i get you the unknown of like oh no what's on the other end of this great mystery here uh but man i mean that's one where like we go back to the pro bowl stuff and all that mike like i'd still love to see the long distance competition between the quarterbacks i mean we got some guys right now that can they they, they can challenge 80 yards in football It'd be fun to watch Josh Allen, Mahomes, and Justin Herbert go at it for a long-distance throw and see who can launch it the farthest. And I, I think you got some guys there that can flirt with 80 and past 80, right? That's, like, crazy when you get to 80. You know, the people that threw it 80, Vinny Testaverde, I th threw it 80 one time. You know, Randall Cunningham forwarded with, like, 78 and 79. And Brett Favre, I don't think, ever hit 80, but he was around there. Um but these guys, man, they can launch it, and I don't know if anybody can launch it farther than Patrick Mahomes. I just don't want anyone throwing out their shoulder for something like that and then being out the next season. I could see that happen when you're trying to encourage these guys to one-up each other to the point where they throw it farther than they should and the shoulder goes kaflooey, and then we don't get to see the guy the following September. All right, uh, this September, what we will see is Sunday Ticket, on YouTube TV and YouTube primetime channels. You don't have to be a YouTube TV customer, but it's cheaper if you are. The pricing came out yesterday. If you lock in by June 6th, and this isn't an ad, this is a public service announcement to anyone out there who's been wondering. I've been getting emails for months what's going to happen with Sunday Ticket. If you're a YouTube TV subscriber, you can buy it for $249 for the full year through June 6th. It goes up to $349 after that, and it's $349 up to or wait it's 249 to 289 I think that's what it is it goes up 40 bucks after June 6 and it's 349 to 389 if you don't have YouTube TV there's an extra charge for red zone um don't 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 rely on me for these numbers I think it's an extra 100 after June 6 I think it is just go ahead and buy it before June 6 if you're going to buy it anyway and then you don't get into that mess but the <laughs> bottom line is this it's the same as it ever was you got to buy the whole damn thing that's what disappoints me about the NFL this is an antitrust violation hiding in plain sight and I think there's ongoing litigation about it why in the world would you not let your customers only get the games of the team that they give a crap about why do they have to buy the whole thing why do they have to buy every week what if there's you know, only a few weeks per year 
that I feel like I need to get it? What if I'm like a Cowboys fan and the Cowboys are on all the time? So I'd like to decide which week I want to watch the Cowboy game on Sunday ticket. I, I just I just think it's wrong, regardless of whether or not it's a violation of the antitrust laws, and I tend to think it is. I'm no antitrust expert, but it feels like it is to tell people you have to buy the whole thing. You can't buy pieces. Why not do right by your customers and let them buy pieces? Charge more, but let them do that instead of plunking down 250 350 bucks for the whole thing when they'd rather just watch all the games of one team. I, yeah, yeah I, I, I get you. I do. I, I feel like, you know, still that that's a rare thing, right? I, I feel like everybody kind of wants to watch other games too this day and age, right? But I, I understand your point. I don't know. the. I don't know the laws and the bylaws of that. It started out as a commercial and you saying positive things. I can guarantee yeah, YouTube's it's, it's not it's paying not you now. You just shit all over no, them and no. everything they did. I mean, jeez. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, hey. Well, uh, well and look, it's service not, hey, hey, I don't fault YouTube. <laughs> I know. I, I, I don't fault YouTube. This is, this is, I think this all traces back to 345 Park Avenue because this is the way they've always done it, frankly. Yeah. They've always done it this way where you have to pay for all of it. And, hey, back before... I was watching all the games at NBC on Sunday or having them piped through on the screen that's across from me on the Sundays that I'm home. Yeah. I would I had Sunday ticket. Why did I have Sunday ticket? I didn't have Sunday ticket so I could watch 13 games at once. I had Sunday ticket so I could watch the Vikings games. That's the only reason I had it. Right. If there was a way to only pay for those, that's what I would have done. But like, I didn't watch all the other games. I wanted to watch that game because then I'd otherwise watch the games that were on my regular TV channel. But fair but fair question is like, okay, so you got that, but so you're watching the Vikings game. How many times did you switch to another game that wasn't on TV or, or just maybe have those other games that are a part of the package on your other screens? I'm not trying to be a jerk. I'm just throwing it out there, no. I, you know. Not often, not often, because the okay. best games would make their way onto so your local TV, TV channels. Right, the best, right. the, the the late afternoon sure, game, sure. The big late afternoon game would. It was rare that there would be two great games in that same late afternoon window. What is so, there uh, some science? I, I, I would have liked to. I would have liked to at least have the option. Yeah, that's all I'm saying. I got you, but it doesn't seem like any sports doing that, right? There's the NBA league pass. There's Major League Baseball extra innings or whatever. And I'm pretty sure in all of them, they make you... They may be. There may, uh, there be? may be. Okay. Okay. Uh, there may be. All right. I don't, don't want to I don't wanna get it wrong, but yeah. I saw some people complaining yesterday okay. that why don't they do what baseball does. Okay. All so, right. I and it is, it is $100, by the way. Right. To go back to the advertisement part of this, to get the numbers right, <laughs> it's 249 if you're a subscriber. It goes up to 349 if you wait until after... June 6th. Okay. So, uh, again, you have to buy it all. They're going to have multi-view, um, which they rolled out during March Madness on YouTube TV, which gives you up to four screens in one smart TV. Right. And, and you know, if you've got YouTube TV, they let you sign in three times at once. And what we do down in the barn, because I have YouTube TV, you have three accounts up. I guess that means you could have 12 games up at once. Four per screen, yeah. three screens, which That's is pretty actually good. pretty good if you can yeah. pull it off. Not that I'll be down there watching it. I'll be with you this year. I have a feeling I'm going to be up there more good. often than not. Good. I have a feeling I may be up there every week this year. That's we'll good. See, I like it. it yes, that's awesome. All right, let's so I can cancel my uh, direct TV. Right? We have a break. All right, all right. Yeah, <laughs> cancel your. If you haven't already, cancel your direct TV. 
I did that three years ago and instantly saved hundreds of dollars per month by switching to YouTube. Oh, damn. He loves you. Yeah. He loves you, YouTube. YouTube TV. He loves you not. He's back to loving you again. <laughs> right, let's take a break. We have a draft coming up. Best Alabama players in the NFL. We'll do that next year on PFT. Well, look at the odds have changed. How the odds have changed, as I should say. Bryce Young was the favorite, then he wasn't. Now he is again. So it's not just a smokescreen. I think, Chris, you nailed it yesterday when you said that the Panthers are getting it out there, that Bryce Young is their guy to get their fans ready because the shift went from Young to Stroud when the Panthers moved to number one. And now as we get closer and closer, there it is settling in as, as the pick for the Panthers, Bryce Young. The Alabama quarterback at number one. Yeah, it, it seems like things are trending that way, definitely. You know, and yeah, that's the sense I got a little bit by with what happened and people, you know, in the business who I know have connections. They started to float it out there, whatever else, and yeah, it just makes you wonder. You and I have seen a few things in our day. We know how the NFL works, and it had the feel of let's throw this out there, gauge the temperature, make sure everybody gets their head wrapped around this and uh, go from there, and we'll see. But uh, should be interesting with these quarterbacks in this top ten of the draft, that's for sure. Again, Bryce Young, an Alabama quarterback, the latest from an impressive line of great Alabama quarterbacks in recent years. Let's draft the best Alabama players currently in the NFL. It's not going to be easy because there's a lot of great Alabama players in the NFL. Chris, you're up. Oh, my gosh, is there a lot of great players. I mean, this is like it's, – it's really – it's actually torture – because I, I feel like I'm going to leave somebody or we're going to leave a lot of great players off the list here, right? I, I think the first one I'm going to go with is I'm going to go with Quinnen Williams right off the bat. Quinnen Williams, I wow. think, is in the conversation right now for one of the best interior defense alignment in all of football. You know, he's a guy, first team, all pro, second team, all pro, whatever. He's in that combo. He is. So for what he is, the middle of the defense like that, I'm going to go with Quinnen Williams as my first pick. Quinnen Williams also with the all-time great soundbite where he was commenting <laughs> on Kyler best. Murray back when he was in Alabama, <laughs> and he heard Nick Saban in his brain tell him to shut up, and he did mid-sentence. I'll go Jalen Hurts. I mean, the guy was an MVP candidate. He's one of the franchise quarterbacks right now that you and I can agree on. Short list, five or six best in the game. Jalen Hurts in a unexpected way after getting benched and after transferring but still the Alabama connection is there Jalen Hurts my first pick yeah I get that the value of the position everything like that it, it's it's tough to say that you know you hold them in a little higher regard than I do but certainly worthy of this right here there's a shock I get that just I ask know. anybody in Philadelphia yeah, they know, know the answer to that question <laughs> yeah exactly right. right no doubt about it all right holy cow I'm going with Minka Fitzpatrick as my next one. I'm going to go with him. Minka Fitzpatrick is arguably the best safety in the NFL. Another one that I'm going to throw in that combo, you know, with Derwin James and Jamal Adams as he's healthy, and I'm missing somebody else that's in that conversation as well. But, damn, just, you know, I've been watching the guy since he was in high school, and he's phenomenal, and, you know, the Steelers aren't, a great, great team right now. So he's maybe not on everybody's radar the way he should be. But damn, he's still one of the best in the game. 
This is where it becomes a challenge because there's been some great running back receivers right. from Alabama, but for some, the sun is setting. For some, exactly. the sun is rising, right. and it feels a little early. It feels a little late. Where do you get the sweet spot? I'm going to go with the Slim Reaper, Devontae Smith, okay. the Heisman winner, undersized, who hasn't had a gigantic impact yet. Not a tremendous top five receiver impact, but it feels like he's moving in that direction. Uh, it agreed. feels like that's what's going to happen. And it's just tough because, you know, it's a little late for some of these other guys. Amari Cooper, it's a little late. Yeah. Uh, Calvin Ridley, who really knows where he is. Jalen Waddle, he's caught up there with Tyreek Hill. I just, I feel like I, it's a tough one. It is tough. Well, Smith. you're not wrong. Break. He had 1,100 yards last year. It wasn't like he's, like, you know, disappointing. He's damn good. You almost said eleven thousand, which I think would be a record. A record, <laughs> but but yeah. So, but it's just he's not he's not cream of the crop. Yeah, I got NFL you. wide yet, I but he's you. still a great great player, and it yeah. feels like it's coming. The, you know what? The yeah. arrow is pointing up. Right. All right, round three coming. We'll be back with that here on PFT. Plenty of great Alabama players in the NFL. We've done two rounds of our draft today. One to go. Chris, who do you have? All right. I'm going to go to Patrick Sertan, the second Denver Broncos. I mean, again, and you can see a theme here with me. Just as far as where we are right now in this day and age, this moment, yeah, he's one of the three or four best corners in the game right now. You know, If not number one. I mean, he's, he's phenomenal. Has it all. You know, great ball skills, man-to-man, shutdown type of guy, tackles, does everything. Uh, we know how important that position is in the NFL, so I'll go Patrick Sertan. Would it be cheating if I went Bryce Young? I'm not going to. He's not in the NFL yet, and who knows? Who knows? We don't know what he's going to be. Like any other draft pick, we don't know. He's not in yet, and we don't know. We do know Deron Payne is a stud defensive go. lineman for the Washington Commanders. Franchise tagged, got the big contract key piece of that team and really Nick Saban before he became the Alabama coach after he said I'm not going to be the Alabama coach he was a defensive guy they have developed an explosive potent offense it kind of started with Julio Jones yeah but they've got the great quarterbacks now they've got the great running backs they've got the great everything on offense oh I know I mean you got DBs every year coming out in the draft I mean damn we didn't even Trayvon Diggs Jonathan Allen right I mean you Jalen Waddell Derrick Henry Josh Jacobs, like, no disrespect to all of you guys. You're amazing. And sorry, there's not enough rounds in this draft. And Tua. You didn't mention Tua. And Tua. I thought about taking Tua because when he's healthy, he really is good. And Mike McDaniels brought the best out of him. They think we hate Tua just because we're concerned about the fact that, you know, he hits his head on the turf and he gets concussions. And hopefully they've cured that because if yeah. they do, he'll be an MVP candidate again this year. We're done. See you tomorrow. Have a See ya. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 